really follow emerging trends and try to find something that you're really interested in and become an expert in it. Write a blog about it. Host a podcast about it. Become someone who's engulfed in it so that you could learn not only about that particular subject and what's happening from it, but you could also build your portfolio. So when you come on to a job interview, you have something to showcase. Select CT. What's up, world? This is the Select CT podcast, where we talk about the digital media landscape in Connecticut and what it means for young people who want to get into the industry. I'm David Roche. I run the podcast program at Quinnipiac University, and this podcast is a partnership between Quinnipiac, the University of Connecticut, and Digital Media Connecticut, which is a collaborative of Connecticut schools working to support a talent pipeline in digital media and content production. So today we're going to get down on some technology. And we've got someone who's no stranger to tech. He's given a TEDx talk in Stanford a few years back where he talks about how technological innovations have helped him become a better dad. He's a published author, and he's volunteered his time to help girls learn how to code. And he's also helped mentor young men of color through President Obama's My Brother's Keeper program. And if that doesn't keep him busy enough, he also has a day job. He's the Senior Vice President of Innovation at Octagon. We're really happy to have Sebastian Odo on our show. Sebastian, welcome to SelectCT. Uh, thank you. Thank you both. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. So tell us exactly what you do as Senior VP of Innovation at Octagon. That's a pretty heavy title. Tell us a little bit about your day-to-day work. I appreciate that. I, uh, I've been working at Octagon for 10 years. This is my 10-year uh, anniversary this year, actually. So, um, And my, my title, um, Senior Vice President of Innovation, it's essentially I'm a creative technologist. Um, and what I do is I help our brands and our athletes think about how we could use technology and emerging trends to put forth some really creative thinking out into the world for consumers and for, um, and for their fans to, to see. On a regular basis, I would say um, I, I oversee a team of developers, UX designer, um, project managers, and, and others to kind of put forth, build websites and these digital experiences, not only online, but on site. Uh, um, at you know events um, or at stadiums, I know right now it's been challenging to kind of navigate that world, but that's what we that's what I've been doing over the past ten years. And I definitely would like to come back to to talk a little bit more about some of the adaptations you've made in this new weird world we're in. Um, but first, let me just congratulate you. Ten years at Octagon is awesome. I, I feel like in the technology industry, spending any longer than a couple of years somewhere it seems to be rare. So congratulations on doing that. Um, Maybe you can explain a little bit more um, about what a creative technologist actually is. Like, what is that just generally? You know, like, what kind of work would a creative technologist do? Yeah. So if um, if you come to my office in Stanford, you'll see um, there are t- you know there are two pieces, two walls that I have. One shows the emerging trends, and I have posted on the wall all pictures of things that are happening in the world whether it's robotics or digital influencers or biometrics or wearables. And then on the other side, there are pictures of our actual activations and things that we've done online. And what a creative technologist does is he he or she takes those emerging trends, figures out how they could be relevant to their clients' objectives, and then puts them into action and gets those things built. And, and thinks about the information architecture and the user experience and how 
those, how consumers would interact with those activations. So for example, if you take something like a wearable bracelet, how can something like Fitbit be relevant to something, to a brand like Cisco? And I'll give you an example here. In the past, during the, um, one of the activations for them, we handed out bracelets to all their employees and helped their employees um, go back and forth with one another in terms of exercising. So we built an application that allowed them to not only sh share their, their health data with one another, but they were able to challenge each other and say, hey, I'm going to challenge you, David, to a competition to walking today. And that's how we were able to use emerging technology to, for our client in a really unique way. And that's actually something that uh, Quinnipiac has been doing. I, I just have not had a chance to get myself a Fitbit, so I've been have to track it manually, which I just am not good at. But I love that. That's it's really interesting to see how you can leverage technology uh, in these really different kind of ways. So you know, you mentioned um, working with clients in in sort of using technology to help them reach their objective. Who are some of your typical clients, or and uh, and what are some of the things they're usually looking for? So some of the our, our main clients at Octagon are BMW and Mastercard and Allstate, Home Depot. I'll give you an example with Mastercard. We've been doing a number of multi-sensory experiences for them, and when I say multi-sensory. I mean, sound, gesture, um, and, um, and different things that are relevant to the consumer, that will bring the consumer's senses to a whole heightened degree. So we built, for example, a wall that helped them um, emphasize their contactless payments. In today's world, we don't have to, to stick our um, um, credit card into a, a, a chip reader anymore, we can tap it and we could be contactless with our phones. So what we did is we built, built an interactive wall at a food festival that allowed people to walk over, tap their card to the wall, and then um, select what type of food they wanted. So they could select not only cotton candy or champagne or whatever was available to them. And that information that got sent to a bartender who was ready then to give them that, that those beverage or the food. Um, but that was a, a, an sensory experience for the consumer because they saw um, this big interactive wall. They saw the con they, they were learning through the contactless payments, um, how that works. And we've done that also to, through our um, something that we talked about prior to this, <laughs> this podcast here is we talked a little bit about the putting experience that we built for MasterCard as well. And that was a digital putting experience that you put a headset on. And then from there, you were immersed into this beautiful experience where you could putt um, at multiple locations from around the world. And then we're able to hear the sights and sounds, um, see the sights and sounds of all the different um, um, experiences we built within that, that game. And so when you talk about the, the wall, so the, the wall you created at the food festival, um, so I guess that was probably an innovation that took place prior to COVID, but also something that, you know, nowadays, um, that, that sort of lesson probably pays off for, for people who are there nowadays trying to avoid you know, having to swipe their cards. So imagine that, you know, sort of carrying on what they had learned at that point being more valuable now. That's kind of interesting. I like that. Yeah, no, you're right. I think, you know, walls and mirrors and, and technology in, in that respect are going to be even more popular on site when, when events turn back on. 
you'll walk up to a mirror or, or interactive wall and there'll be messaging there that you could you know, interact with either through SMS or through scanning a QR code on your own phone. And then from there, you could interact with the experience. So you're totally right in, in that respect. We've learned a lot in the past. And so tell us more about the, the, the putting experience thing. So what was the goal of that? So, I mean, it sounds super, it sounds obviously interesting. You get, you get to, um, you know, do this, um, this, this sort of virtual reality experience, but tell us like, what was the actually goal, the actual goal of creating that? So we built the experience through HTC Vive. Um, and the, and the goal was HTC Vive is a headset that you could put on, uh, it's a gaming headset. And we built this putting experience that allowed people to play mini golf anywhere they, we put that experience. So whether it was an airport lounge, the goal was to essentially give consumers the ability to, um, you know, kill time while they're at an airport lounge or maybe at a uh, 18th hole pavilion at a golf experience or at a store kill some time, but also learn about the technology of contactless payments. So here, the new MasterCard branding sound, the sonic brand sound for them, um, which was um, MasterCard. If you, you could do some research, go to Google and type in MasterCard sonic brand. They recently announced what does MasterCard actually sound like? And we helped them as, as a, a client partner, um, as an agency partner for many years. We've helped them kind of put together this activation on site to help them uh, show consumers what that sound was. So when you made the putt, it then, it then played the sound, which was really cool for consumers to hear. And, and so I actually came across the, the phrase um, sonic brand when I was looking into what you guys actually do. And I, and I was like, it's interesting, you know, the branding world is so foreign to me, but also kind of fascinating because of all of the ways you, you imagine branding. Um, and the idea that you know there's a there's like a, a you know here if if we we had our our uh, our cards in order if I I could have had this this Mastercard brand sound ding right now that would have been kind of cool but <laughs> um, you know you guys are doing really interesting things in terms of how you imagine representing brands through technology another thing you guys did was you um, for the 2018 NBA All Star Game to promote uh, Kaiser Permanente sponsorship of Steph Curry you made a shooting motions game uh where like you stood in front of this big screen and, and they would shoot and then a life-size avatar of steph curry would mimic the motions and so like was that also something just to let people know that their sponsorship was happening or what was sort of the thinking behind that and what was your role in that project yeah so our team um put together concepted that idea of having um, a 3d model of steph curry who's one of our clients at octagon and does a lot to give back to the community so we not only, and, and focuses on health and fitness, we wanted to, for our client, Kaiser Permanente, who also is, is big in health and fitness, how do you turn people into controllers? And actually this, this activation wor would work uh, great now in this COVID um, world where we turn consumers into controllers. So you walked up to, at NBA All-Star, you walked up to this beautiful, I think it was an 85 inch um, LCD television as you turn, as you walked up to it, we used Microsoft Connect technology to turn you into Steph Curry. From there, you were then timed to shoot three pointers, um, like Steph, and um, you didn't have to touch any controllers. You didn't have to touch anything um, other than just be yourself and 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 verse the clock. So that the goal was to get people up off their seats 
to be more active, to emphasize the partnership with Kaiser Permanente and the MBA, and to really do something fun for consumers on site. And so for it being something touchless, I imagine that technology probably is being pursued <laughs> maybe a little bit more aggressively these days um, in our sort of weird world. Yeah. Our contactless efforts for my team have been um, very important and top of mind for us. So we're mm. constantly every day, what can, how can the products and services that we offer our clients be more contactless? Yeah, and I, I, I wonder, you guys seem to be positioned uh, pretty well, already having thought about that prior, uh, now with just you know additional motivation to do that. So that's really interesting. What do you think um, are future solutions in this current COVID world that might be disruptions in digital media? Like, do you feel like this sort of, this environment is pushing us to innovate in ways that we might not? And do you th- see anything on the horizon, like interesting technological innovations as a result of this this uh, COVID situation? Yeah, there's there are a lot of things that are really getting me excited excited. Um, I, I think, you know, wearables is really important for me, like being able to put a ring on and, and all of that data being sent to you in real time, how your body's reacting. And I think the NBA just announced two days ago that they were going to try out these rings for the athletes, uh, give them the option to do it. Um, but being able to read your temperature and, you know, other um, biometric kind of um, data points is really cool. That's interesting. Deliveries too is another one for me. Uh, mobile ordering and deliveries has been pretty um, sped up in the, over the past three months. I would never have thought to been using so many, so much, you know, mobile delivery, but I have been, um, and I think a lot of people have been as well. So I think those sort of um, services are have been on the increase, and then. Like I said um, before, I think interactive walls and mirrors are going to be really important. So you walk into a store and you're interacting not necessarily with a brand ambassador or someone at the store, but you're interacting with a digital assistant or some sort of chatbot through uh, SMS interface or um, through you know a digital experience. So as a creative technologist, are the skills that you need to do that, are you actually building the technology itself? Like, are you doing the coding or do you need engineering skills or is it more like ideas and, and sort of working in, with creativity or like what sort of skill set do you need to actually get into that? Yeah, you don't necessarily have to know how to build it from end to end. I would say that you should probably understand how to, what the emerging trends are, how the technology could be built. So you know that you need a de- developer or an engineer or a user experience designer or someone who's good in, you know, whatever it is, whatever the technology is, you should know where to look for that. And then from there, be able to follow that process from start to finish and be able to go and, and test it out and make sure that it works and, and understand how to speak to it so that you could tell a client, this is built by Microsoft Connect technology. But I, I'm, I, know, I know enough to do some damage, but my, my development team and our partners are really the experts here, and they're the ones that are putting together the, you know, writing the code and designing it. I imagine the testing out phase can be kind of fun or frustrating, I guess, depending on the product. Oh, my goodness. Um, there are moments before client activations where we have been, um, whether the circumstances, because it's raining too hard or the power on site wasn't strong enough or the internet that was promised to us wasn't as, as sharp as it should have been, 
Um, there have been many challenging moments, but we've always been, you know, we have to be problem solvers at the end of the day. Uh, yes, I'm a creative technologist, but I'm a problem solver. And I know how to um, strategically, you know, think about a situation and re re-engineer what's happening so that I could, you know, deliver at the end of the day. You can't, you can't buckle under the pressure either with tech, especially when you're leading up the innovation team. Uh, there are a lot of times where we have many, many mistakes and that's okay. It's okay to have mistakes. And that's where kind of my mentoring, um, as we flow into that discussion, like my mentoring with Girls Who Code and my brother's keeper, I always remind uh, the young students, it's okay to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, how do you learn um, from them? Yeah, and I think that's a, a really good point. Um, and I definitely want to talk more, a little bit more about your your volunteer work. But before we do, can I just ask you quickly what the market is like in Connecticut for creative technologists? Do you feel like um, that industry or the need for that kind of work that you're doing is growing, specifically in Connecticut? Um, or what's your take on that? What do you think? Yeah, so um, I would definitely say that it's the the roles are there. Just have to look. There are many uh, creative agencies and um, and brands in Stanford and in Connecticut and um, that are looking for people who have creative um, capabilities. Whether you're a designer or a developer, I mean, development um, from a development standpoint, there are many jobs. Um, it's one of our in Connecticut. It's one of the top um, jobs that people are looking for, for developers. Um, whether, and, and, it, and it varies by different towns, right? You could look this up online. It varies by towns of which towns are more popular than others looking for this, for these particular roles. But yes, I, I believe that there are. Yeah. And I, and I think if listeners go to Digital Media Connecticut, if you just Google that, you can go to the website and it has lists of uh, digital media companies throughout the state. And you can learn more about each of them. You can learn more about Octagon, where Sebastian works and all these, uh, a lot of other places. So Sebastian, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I do want to give you a chance to talk about your volunteer work. So you have worked with girls um, to help them learn how to code. You've worked with young uh, boys of color to help them uh, through uh, President Obama's My Brother's Keeper program. So tell us how that integrates with the work that you're doing you know obviously you have a sense of giving back and volunteerism uh, but how does that relate to being a creative technologist do you try to to sort of incorporate those skill sets when you're working with with young people yeah so one of the things that i always wanted to do was swim upstream to really help um kids learn how to that that you know learn how to be able to understand technology and innovation understand stem in general because not only do we need those jobs, those are the jobs of the future, but it's also something that I've never had when growing up. I never really had a mentor. So I always wanted to give back in that respect. So being able to support, I have two, I have three young kids at home, two, two are girls. And, um, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, for girls who code, that I was supporting something that I would want them to be involved in coding for girls in science and math initiatives. And then um, my my brother's keeper working with our local um, Ossining school district here, where I live in Westchester, was has been really helpful for me because giving back to the community and and teaching those young men of color um, about making mistakes and how it, how it's okay as long as you 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 learn from them um, has been really helpful not only to them uh, to hear my experience and my journey, but it's it's been helpful to me as a mentor. 
you learn about things, perspectives that you wouldn't have seen uh, otherwise. So I think that's, it's really important as, as people that we start to understand how others are living their lives and how others um, go through life and their challenges. Mm, very well said, especially in a time where there's a lot of um, attention being drawn to uh, racism, police brutality, and all these kinds of things, elevating voices of those who might have been suppressed or oppressed over over the years is, is certainly important. So thank you for that work that you're doing. And, and I think there's a lot to pull apart in what you just said, you know, uh, being flexible, um, you know, and rolling with the punches and making mistakes. You know, we definitely live in a culture that seems to um, to lift up perfection, but the idea that you can make mistakes and just learn from them and move on is, is probably important. So we got to wrap up this conversation. Unfortunately, we could definitely talk for a while, but I want to give you uh, a chance to speak directly to students, um, anybody in high school or people in college who might want to pursue a career in creative technology as a creative technologist. What sort of advice would you give them and what sort of opportunities do you think they're out there to get their foot in the door? Sure. So um, my one bit of advice would be to really follow emerging trends and try to find something that you're really interested in, whether it's biometrics whether it's blockchain technology, whether it's robotics, and become an expert in it. Become, you know, write a blog about it, host a podcast about it, become, you know, someone who's engulfed in it so that you could learn not only about that particular subject and what's happening from it, but you could also build your portfolio. So when you come on to a job interview, you have something to showcase and you, you could say, listen, I really love drones. And this is my drone podcast, and this is my drone website, and this is what I've learned about drones, and these are the events that I've been to. It really shows to someone like me that you had commitment to a specific topic. You became an expert or close to an expert in it. And it, it's, for me, it just shows your drive. And it doesn't have to be something that could be relevant right now. It could be something that's could be re- that is going to be relevant tomorrow. Um, and I think that's really important for me. And I've always, I've always been really impressed with people that have come across my desk resumes that you know were interested in horses, like or organic gardening, things that they were something that I wouldn't have known. I could learn from that. Really makes it interesting for me to kind of want to learn more about them and have them join my team because at the end of the day, diversity in, in a team environment is only going to help you grow. Sebastian, I think a lot of people don't actually understand what an agency is. Can you just describe that for our listeners? Sure. An agency is an organization that supports um, a client's initiative. So, for example, Octagon, um, you know, supports BMW's efforts for a lot of their driving programs within the United States. Um, And we have a very diverse group of people that work for our agency. There are designers, developers, project managers, account folks, um, strategy people who help, you know, kind of complement a client's portfolio of assets. So for example, you know, if BMW come to us and say, hey, we're looking to do a driving program to showcase a brand new vehicle, can you support us? The agency will help put together the, co- the content calendar, help with vehicle logistics, help with kind of going on site and putting the event together as an extended partner to that client. And I think that's where agencies, and, and that happens across the board, not only with you know vehicle driving programs, but it happens with campaigns 
and it happens with um, you know other big initiative product launches for PlayStation. So it, it's they're they're really unique opportunities for brands to extend their offering by having agency partners. And some some clients have many agencies, not just one. Awesome. All right, Sebastian, thank you so much for your time. I want to thank Sebastian Odo, Senior Vice President of Innovation at Octagon for joining us on Select CT. Sebastian, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. On the next episode of Select CT, we're going to be talking about women in film with Heather Elliott Famolaro and Carol Evans. So please join us. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Werwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David Roche. Thanks for listening.